Welcome to the Geekcentric Podcast, and welcome back to our watch club for Marvel's Moon Knight. No unbalanced souls on my boat, them's the rules. Welcome to Watch Club. My name is Nate, and this is our Watch Club for Marvel's Moon Knight, Episode 5, the penultimate episode, titled Asylum. If you're joining us for the first time, this is Watch Club, our weekly review series, kind of like a book club, but way better. Keep in mind, we will be going into full spoilers for this series and the MCU in general, so if you haven't watched this week's episode yet, be sure to do so, and then come right back in a snap. Now... Before we explore the recesses of our collective minds, let me introduce you to the other personalities joining me today. First up, he's a Marvel nut who's taller than King Tut. He's the Egyptian jackal, Justin Lawrence. What's up? How are ya? Good. How you doing, man? Do you like sand? Good. Do you like sand? No, it's cold. Course and just gets everywhere. I don't know. I can't remember that. Long. <laughs> no, that was pretty much it. Well. That was pretty much nah, it. It's rough and coarse. It's rough. And- <laughs> there we go. Rough and coarse. Rough and coarse. Rough and coarse. Uh, rough intercourse. Right. <laughs> well, speaking of rough and coarse, alongside him, <clears throat> let me clear my esophagus as he gets out of his sarcophagus. He's cooler than Conchu, but if you make fun of his mummy, he's not afraid to haunt you. He's Kevin, the crocodile Hudson. I, I got to say, man, I'm a little disappointed we didn't get one of your trademark, really authentic uh, uh, there we go. British accents uh, doing a quote to start the show. <laughs> you know what? I figured, that in, especially in this episode, there were so many fake, authentic British accents. I figured I'd just sort of leave it alone. You know, whatever. And, and plus, I, you know, I'm never going to be able to pull off uh, a Tawarit. You know what I mean? She's just too perfect. Uh, but speaking of perfect, oh, my gosh, let me tell you. Joining us again this week on the podcast, he floats like a butterfly but stings like a bee. His name's Mike with an E. He's Mike Smith from the Dumpster Talk podcast. How's it going again, Mike? I am doing absolutely great. Listening to you say that, I'm like, how would you spell Mike without an E? Um, right. So I was, yeah, it got me really confused. And then I was like, oh, I have to answer a question. Shit. I'm sure in some country there's a Mike without an E. But Mike, I wanted to... Uh, ask you i know i i meant to ask you this last week uh which is why i'm stoked to have you back again this week i uh, i sent you a buzzfeed quiz to determine which mm-hmm. egyptian god you'd be and we did this on the podcast for, for our episode three i'm very interested to hear your results uh what god would you be according to buzzfeed uh, uh so i i did do it and i have already previously listened to your watch club so i believe i'm joining a pretty badass club as i am osiris god of resurrection and death let's go yeah let's go so i'm uh i feel like i'm joining there and and it's it's great like i love these types of things because they either all make people feel amazing or they all make people feel like crap and this one's an (laughs) all make people feel really great about this like i am that badass so yeah (laughs) It's very cool. I mean, listen, near the the end of this episode, you know, I think um, Osiris gets a mention. Would you be what would what would your ruling be if uh, if you saw this all happening? Would you would you let it all go down or would you get pretty upset? I feel like gods usually have like a pretty good intuition. So Mm -hmm. I would like to think that I'm like, okay, well, these are great people trying to do great things. But the feeling I'm getting 
is not so much like <laughs> Osiris is going to be pissed. Like he doesn't sound like yeah. the cool guy in the description from that Buzzfeed quiz. That's for sure. <laughs> totally. He should take a, he should take a Buzzfeed quiz or his avatar should. But, yeah, uh, yeah. Anyways, guys, I feel like, uh, right on that you know, well, that's how they picked them in the first place. <laughs> is, is that how they did it? They interviewed. Yeah. Yeah. It was just uh, a Buzzfeed uh, questionnaire. <laughs> Uh, well, listen, I feel like we've uh, we've taken enough time to pass through the fields of of, of reeds. Um, so listen, uh, let's get into this story. The episode starts off as we see water rushing into a cave while hearing a little boy cry for help, followed by the sight of a woman staring down on us, saying, this is all your fault. Then we immediately cut to a screaming hippo and then back to Harrow's office where we see Mark uh, now with a bloodied nose uh, with Dr. Harrow really trying to reassure him that he's bouncing between two realities, one that is filled with nonsense and one that isn't. Harrow tells Mark that the hippo could break down the walls between himself and Stephen, and that uh, just before he lost his temper, uh, he was telling him about a little boy. As soon as Harrow... uh, Sorry, as... And as soon as Harrow asks for more information about the boy, Mark stands up while holding a sharp glass paperweight, claiming that, you know what, he feels a lot better. Uh, Harrow presses an emergency button under his desk, and then Kennedy and Fitzgerald subdue Mark by sticking him with a needle. So, guys, let's dig into the sequence here. What did you think of this conversation between Mark and Harrow? And um, did you also notice a bit of a voice change? Is that just me? With Mark, yeah, I I noticed the voice change too, which is why I was thinking, you know, this is the third personality that we're seeing. It's gotta be kind, mm-hmm. kind of being woven through this dialogue, and and there's been a couple instances that I know New Rockstar and and uh, I think a couple other people had had pointed out in terms of when we hear Mark, there's a bit of a, a voice change, accent change that that might imply that third personality. Uh, but this whole scene was was really interesting. You you called out the broken nose, the band-aid. That's very uh Jeff Jeff Lemaire and uh Greg Smallwood's uh, aesthetic for Mark Spector. He had the the band-aid over over his nose. Um but the conversation itself felt very odd. Like when is this happening, right? In, in regards to what happens after this, right? Like it's almost how we were kind of floating th- between different memories. Is this a memory? Is this a time when he was at at this institution uh, as the third personality, I don't know. I, I'm I'm interested in in hearing your guys' takes on it. See, I sort of thought of it as a um, almost like a room within a room, or a, or a, a prison within a prison. Sure, right. Sure. Of of yeah. like this sort of additional space that we see Mark kind of um, rely on in a sense throughout the episode where he's constantly like trying to like I don't want to be here, I don't want to be here, and then he pops back into Harrow's office. Um, I loved. The subtle shout out to the sound design for this with the clock in the background mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. it sounds like a pendulum going back mm-hmm. and forth and it it mirrors Mark's experience of going back and forth between this meeting Times, with Harrow and the other moments yeah. throughout the episodes and of course time right um, and yeah man like I think he's clearly been getting beaten up by uh, Kennedy and Fitzgerald I think yeah. you know he bit he bit. He bit one of them last time, and yeah. so I feel like that broken nose is payback for that. Um, and obviously, that's that's a thing in the comics, as you called out, Justin. And you even you even hear Harrow begging them not to hurt him, like as if they have more power than Harrow does in this situation. I don't know; it's kind of interesting. Or that's just Harrow trying to still seem like he's on Mark's side or whoever yes. this is their side. True. Yeah, his fake empathy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not sure. 
if this is is yet another reality. Um, uh, mm. I, I, that certainly comes. We we certainly get a third sort of world or environment that we were exposed to later on in the episode. So yeah, I, I'm not sure it's crystal clear what exactly is going on, who exactly yeah. this is that we're seeing, and, and everything like that. Um, but it's certainly uh, you know an attempt at making us question whether this truly is the reality and everything we've already seen is in his head, even though I think most of us know what's what's kind of going on mm-hmm. here. I yeah. um I joined J Law in in the whole I've read that that part of. I haven't read all of Lemire's um run there, but I read the first five, which yeah. was all you really needed to sort of be like, oh my God, they pulled a lot from it. Um mm-hmm. except for um you mentioned the two orderlies nate and what's so funny is i was like in the comics they're named billy and bobby and it's like such yeah. a it's just kind of like such throwaway <laughs> names and then when you mention them here i'm like wow that was a step up um because yes. <laughs> the, the fact they just didn't go with billy and bobby i'm like okay so they're they're taking this a little bit further but um it, it's crazy how much I, I can't tell if i'm really really happy that i read them over, I mm. read them yesterday, basically yesterday, or really, really, ex- really, really sad that I'm like, oh, I've influenced my experience on the show, and I haven't decided. <laughs> I'm exactly, I'm, I, I totally feel that, Mike, because like I, I was kind of questioning the same thing. Like I'm really enjoying the comic book, and I'm enjoying seeing certain aspects of of that story find its way in this series. But at the same time, like, did I kind of spoil things for myself in yeah. that process? So it, it's still, it's still nice to at least point out little things like. I don't know. I'm sure a lot of people are going to notice the Band-Aid, but like just yeah. to see the Band-Aid, that was just the like visuals right away in my head. Later, later exactly. in this episode, you're just like, oh my God, they pulled so much. Exactly. And yeah. I stopped at five, which is, mm-hmm. without spoiling too much, but almost like a parallel to this episode, which is like so yeah. crazy is those five are very related to these. And I'm going to stop. I'm going to wait until we watch the finale. And and then I might go, then I'll go back to reading. Because I, I was like, okay, I read mm-hmm. those five. I think I'm happy with that. And I just got a taste. I got a little bit. And I'm I'm not going to read anymore. Because I, I, I want to go into the finale with, like, no more than what I've read. Right. I'm, I'm getting the same, uh, maybe not exactly the same feeling. Because I don't think they're going to go too one-to-one with it. But with Miss Marvel, where I've, I'm on the, the final volume of uh, of Miss mm-hmm. Marvel, uh, the 2016 run or one, 20, 2014. one of them. Um, 2014 run. Okay. Um, and, uh, and I'm just like, I'm, it's, it's getting to a place where I'm like, now I'm starting to expect stuff for the series that probably won't happen, mm-hmm. but we'll have to wait and see. I, I do think though, I do absolutely think it was Jake. I think the moment he starts talking, he's got the, the weapon in his hand. I think that's, a different accent it's jake it's, his mouth moves differently and you hear him say you hear him almost in a way where i think it's jake and then shifting back to back mark to really mark. quickly yes. yeah. because he says you're gonna release the monster he he's gonna destroy everything he says he's gonna destroy everything and i don't think he's talking about harrow at that point i don't think he's talking about amit because amit's a woman Ooh, he's I talking really about himself think, oh, i really I think really he's talking about together. himself here wow. oh, yeah wow. interesting it, because I, especially yeah. especially if you take into context that this is possibly all in his mind, and even Dr. Harrow here is in his mind. Yeah. Uh, sure. Dr. Harrow saying, I'm not your enemy in this very moment. I just, I don't know, man. It's getting me like a buzz to think that like that's really going to come true in our next And episode. I'm sure, sure we'll get to it as we move on here, but the fact that, as we learn later, Mark is the one who kind of knows more than the other entities within him. So yeah. Yeah. Um, him to say something like that, like I didn't put that together at the time, but... 
definitely yeah. now yeah that that is the moment though that you you most obviously see the sort of uh difference in persona because even at that yeah. moment that's like Little that's not Martin, that's not steven yeah. exactly it's like a it's new york exactly. accent almost Exa- yeah but it's yeah. it can, feels completely as you said out of character and yeah. that's actually a really good call out if it was very new yorker because instead of a london cabbie you have a new yorker cabbie right and oh. that's his personality right so maybe maybe i don't know we're on to you he- marvel <laughs> <laughs> new, new york is mentioned uh later on in the episode as well yes. when he's calling he's got to have an yeah. accent like if there's a third yeah. one you know it's not just going to be another <laughs> american because that would be really confusing yeah. so there's gonna yeah. have to be some sort of accent let's just hope it's a better new york accent than his his British accent, uh, like but let's let's British keep going one. here. <laughs> we uh, we get back to the the moment we left off last week with Mark, Stephen, and Tauret, uh screaming, and she asks if they're twins, and Stephen says sorta. Um, <laughs> she then confirms <laughs> for them both uh, and us that Mark and Stephen are indeed quite dead. Uh, she references some old scrolls and, like a Disney tour guide, welcomes them all to the Duat, uh, which is the Egyptian underworld. Stephen begins to explain to Mark that uh, she's there to guide them to the afterlife. Mark asks if this is the afterlife until where it mentions it's an afterlife. While name dropping, and this is what I want to chat about next here, guys, she name drops the ancestral plane so here we get our biggest connection to the mcu i think so far in this show what did you guys think of this connection to black panther i love that it it gave those little that that is the most obvious hint that they've ever had towards the mcu so it's really cool because i wanted to see where this fits in i didn't really put together like i knew i'd heard it but i didn't realize it was black panther literally i'm like oh yeah okay because that makes a lot more sense that world has Mm -hmm. that sort of spiritual that very spiritual words world so yeah i really Mm -hmm. like that and it makes me wonder and i don't know how all this is going to work but it makes me wonder what the sort of the life cycle of these uh uh, what do they call them they in the they call them aspects in the comic and it's uh whatever the word avatars sorry I was going to say blue, okay, blue yeah. guys, and I was just going to make you guys even more confused. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the avatars, so they, basically they're on this boat, they're being judged, and if they scales balance, they get to go back. So it's almost like they get an extra life if they do well in that life. I, I, I don't know what you guys think there, but that was kind of like the, in, the perception I got. I was under the impression that it, going to the fields of the, of the reeds is, is sort of like passing into heaven. Because uh, okay. you know, we'll get to the ending, but yeah. that's why the ending to me is just so precarious. I just don't understand. Like they've really left things up uh, in the air. Uh, so mm-hmm. I don't know, Kev. You're the history guy. You might know a little bit more about it. Uh yeah. That's a that's a very common ancient sort of belief. Uh, you know, held by even the Gladiator. Romans and 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 every everybody like that. So certainly that would be yeah, passing into the good afterlife, if you will. Okay. Well, just getting back to the the ancestral plane. Um, you know, I think it's pretty dope. I was looking into it. It's ruled by Bast, who is the panther goddess, uh, who apparently, according to the MCU, is one of the oldest members of the Ennead. Um, so it would be pretty crazy mm. if we see her in the MCU. Uh, we've seen oh. the Avatar for Osiris already in the series, so it isn't a stretch to say we won't see her because uh, apparently she's sometimes she's listed as like the offspring or even the sibling of Osiris. Um, so it'd be really, really interesting to see if, if that, if again, they, they sort of form an even further connection and especially with, with God, the gore butcher 
coming up in Thor. Like, you have to imagine all these gods, Eternals, all this stuff kind of coming through, that they're going multiversal, they're going spiritual, Mm -hmm. uh, and they're starting to move a little bit away from, like, the sci-fi space stuff that I think we were all kind of getting towards until, of course, Fantastic Four, and then we'll we'll probably go right back there. But I think but, that... I think it's all playing together, though. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, right. it's all playing together. And I think that, you know, the reference of planes overlapping and things intertwining, I think that's what we're going to start to see. We've already seen that. Yeah, yeah we've but already seen great. it. And I think we, we continue Loki, to see right? it. We'll continue yeah. to see it, right? So it's it's really about understanding, yeah, you're, you're telling, the, the MCU is telling their stories in different facets, but at a certain point, they are just going to really intertwine. From a narrative point going forward, what Nate brought in there when he's talking about Gore the god butcher coming up i mean from a literary and and writing perspective no one will care about god the gore the god butcher if he hasn't butchered gods and if especially if he's butchered gods that you don't know anything about so Mm. you have to introduce a lot more of this because realistically we only have a handful of quote-unquote gods for him to butcher before someone has to stop him so introducing all of these before he is there ostensibly it's it's gonna have to happen yeah, absolutely. This is this is a hundred percent setting up that that encounter, um, you know, later this summer, and you know, it's all about sort of setting up the 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 astral dimension as the almost spiritual v- equivalent of the multiverse that we're experiencing. And so, once again, it's just this beautiful setup that Marvel's able to do, where they sort of prepare you and introduce you to these ideas in the simplest fashions. And then kick it up a notch without having to rely too much on explaining to viewers what's going on. And so, yeah, I think we are, again, getting that sort of spiritual multiverse here with all these gods, which, again, as you guys have mentioned, sets up perfectly for gore. Was it ancestral or astral? Was it astral that they said? They talk about the The astral astral plane plane. in Doctor Strange, and those are two totally different places. I mean... Mm. um, it's it's a parallel dimension where the soul exists outside of the body. Okay. Which is yeah, but again it's it's just maybe that's just we hear Toerit say in this episode like there's so many of them. Yeah, right? yeah. so there's there is so many. A, yeah. A ton of them. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, that makes sense. I like the idea too though that, you know, again, layering in all of these mm-hmm. different spiritual layers and, and grounding it in culture, the mm-hmm. fact that, you know, it is grounded in Egyptian mythology obviously serves as a background history to the existence of this spiritual astral plane, if you will. So And it's yeah. also kinda it's also kinda lovely that that they as as creators, these writers have the ability to sort of even at a at a spiritual level, I know we're talking about comic book characters here, but even at a spiritual level, give that to whoever's coming into this, right? They can open it up to the point where different people from all walks of life mm-hmm. who believe completely different things can all sort of find themselves within the MCU. And I think that's uh, that's really lovely how they're kind of setting up like how the afterlife works f- from mm-hmm, a lore exactly. standpoint uh, within the MCU. So um, let's uh, let's let's keep on moving on here um, to where it then says uh, that the duat isn't easy for the human mind to process. So it appears in a form that best suits the one who is being carried to the afterlife. 
<laughs> Stephen wonders why a, uh, why a psych ward, and Mark says that's because they're insane. Uh, according to him, the theory checks Called out it. because they're talking, right? They're talking <laughs> to a hippo. Stephen and Mark aren't uh, aren't sharing a body, and the afterlife is apparently the reality, uh, while the hospital is the imagination. Mark even ends up saying uh, that Dr. Harrow is right and that this is just an organizing principle. While rambling on, Mark opens one of the main doors uh, into the, uh, in the ward and sees that they're actually traveling on a massive boat on the dunes, where Tawaret informs them that their hearts must balance on the scales of justice before they reach the field of reeds, or else they'll spend all of eternity in the duat forever frozen in sand. And to do this, they must head back into the ward and reveal to each other whatever truths they haven't told each other mm-hmm. yet, uh, or the scales of justice won't balance. Uh, so guys, this sheds a little more light uh, into how the afterlife and the journey to the afterlife kind of works, and I know we just kind of discussed it, but you know, talking about these intersectional planes of untethered consciousness, do you think, which is a mouthful, do you think <laughs> that they're confirming, uh, you know, some of the experiences we've seen, obviously, with characters like T'Challa, um, but I know a big one for a lot of fans so who've stunning. always wondered, where, yeah, where did Thanos go, right? And so, you know, with, with the, seeing the place between worlds for each of these characters, is this kind of confirming that... Yeah, like this is how this works. This is yes, you know, 100%. Thanos. Yes, right. Okay, I I, I I totally think so because because again, though though both all those instances to think you know we had Thanos. There was a scene where Tony Stark would have confronted his daughter that was older, right? That was inevitably cut from from the movie, and I think again those little instances were just the, the smallest crumbs to insinuate the sort of spiritual quality that again is is attached to the soul it exists in the mcu and obviously with things with characters like dr strange and you know black you know black panther kind of also hinting at those things and now getting into phase four where it really just seems to be going buck on this idea of you know the spiritual connection and and the sort of layers of of reality that exist uh in the mcu yeah it, it goes without saying i think that they're they're very much related i know that uh, a lot of comparing to comics and and the MCU and how they're pulling and going back and forth. And one of the things about the comics that kind of is just like accepted, I would say, is that no one ever really dies. You can die, but then they bring them back and you can die and they can bring you back and people kind of accept it. And there's not really an explanation for it for the most part. And half the time it's just enough to bring them back to tell a different story. Um, But in the MCU and with movies, I feel like they realize that the audience can't fully accept it to the same extent. So they have to put something like this in place or something like this, at least is very important for bringing characters back. You have like bringing in the multiverse and bringing in a concept like this, where you can go to these planes and, and realistically you can come back from these planes. Um, So you can die and go to this plane, but somehow you can find a way out of it. You're never fully dead. There's afterlife. So then afterlife, so then afterlife. So you can always find a way and they can always write a way to get people back means that these stories now on screen can be the same as comics where they come back and they, they just keep telling new stories. And if they need to change out an actor, it's a multiverse. And if they, need to bring back someone, Natasha Romanov from the dead. Like, Natasha's not dead. Realistically, if you believe that all of this is going on, then Natasha's not gone. Um, so everyone still exists somewhere. See, I I, 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 str- I go back and forth on, like, 
liking that aspect of the comics because they can be so different at that point. You can bring in writers that are creating such different storylines, but they can still somehow be connected to a storyline where a character died. Uh, but at the same time, like I do find that like that could negatively impact a lot of the the meaning for these deaths right i think obviously when we see these Mm -hmm. moments it's like i don't ever like again when there was the rumors of like and we'll find out pretty soon uh of tony stark showing up in in multiverse and uh in the multiverse of madness that that was upsetting to me because i was like no like he he (laughs) that was the moment like that he's gone that's it cap is gone too that you know if you're gone you're gone but I do like the idea kind of like a force ghost situation in Star Wars and I, I I don't write in I knew I knew you'd write in if you if you heard me talking about this um I do like that idea of still being able to see those characters or interact with those characters but I never want them to be alive again in the movies I I don't know maybe that's just me I heard that you Kevin don't Feige until they has, are because until they yeah be, because <laughs> until Marvel feeds it to Superman me in a way that died, I want and they brought him back and Superman's back yeah. and everyone enjoys his stories. It's like it's like you hate it and you have a bitter taste in your mouth until they're back and you're enjoying a great, Maybe. well-written, great character story. And it's just I like, yeah, that sucked and it was a bitter taste. But man, this story kicks ass. I mean, I really do think they have to be careful with how often they go to the to the well on the on this sort of idea. And I think I wouldn't have a problem if we do see a different version of Tony Stark. Yeah, it's not our us, Tony yeah. Stark. He is gone, making the ultimate mm-hmm. sacrifice. Yeah, that's fine. And so, if they do bring back a different version from a different, you know, multiverse, that's fine t- with me. But somebody like Black Widow, I mean, again, another sacrifice. She has to be gone. And so they, yeah. they really, it okay. has to be part of the specific story they're telling for it to work, rather than something they can go to a year, two, five years later and just bring back a character that was dead and completely gone. I mean, it, you really have to set up the rules and conditions for something like that beforehand yeah. and and make it a very specific situation. Not anybody at any time could always just come back because like you said, Nate, it, it does cheapen those deaths. And it does, if you, if you aren't afraid that you might never see these characters again, then you won't care when they die because you, you know, so it, it is just, a, it's a tightrope that they have to walk. For sure. I'm not saying everybody, but, but it's a possibility. Like, we basically just watched a death of a character. They just didn't make it dramatic, and there was yep. it, it was kind of just out of nowhere, and he died. And we're now watching it continue on, and we're pretty sure we're going to watch him come back from dead. And sure, this is a contained story, but if it wasn't this story and it was a different story, would it be cheap if it was just as good? I just, I'm just playing devil's advocate, but I think that we're watching the, the story that you said you would feel cheap. <laughs> but <laughs> but I mean but again though this is a character where almost from the very beginning it's been set up that he was already brought back from death once because mm-hmm. of his affiliation with mm-hmm. Khonshu and that's the story that's being told here and True. so we already are able to expect that he might come back from this simply because of what we've been told and what we see later in this episode that really just sort of highlights what we've kind of heard rumblings of earlier in the season we get that sort of more fulfilled as this episode mm-hmm. goes on mm-hmm 
Well, listen, I'm I'm about to pass into the field of reads if we keep, we keep going. We got to keep going here. Uh, so uh, love the conversation, though. So Mark so, and Stephen go back and start analyzing each memory, which is represented by a room in the ward. Although a memory of Mark standing in the street gets Stephen's attention, it's a cry of help that leads them to another room filled with the dead bodies of Mark's victims. Mark explains that they aren't good people and had to suffer Conchu's punishment, which seems like a reasonable enough explanation until Stephen spots a child who we learn was Mark. Mark's brother, Randall, who also goes by Roro. Uh, I don't know how Roro comes from Randall, but um, despite Mark's pleas to stop, Stephen follows Randall through a door, and we see the tragic moments that lead to Mark's mother never forgiving him, which compelled him to run away from home. As Mark tries to stop Stephen from going any further, they're transported to the memory of the Moon Knight's birth. Uh, we see all the dead bodies around a campsite, including Layla's dad, and Mark starts talking about how he went AWOL in a fugue state uh, and was discharged from the military. So he started working for his old commander, Officer Bushman, uh, who, with a change of heart, commanded Mark to kill everyone so there'd be no witnesses. But Mark instead attempted to help them all escape and failed and was shot himself. Uh, after dragging himself into a tomb where he's about to end it all, he's interrupted by Khonshu and offered the position of Moon Knight. Stephen tells Mark that he's always been manipulated by Khonshu, but Mark says that the act of doing Khonshu's bidding was a better option than simply dying. So guys, which side are you on here? Are you on Steven's side here in believing that Conchu truly has always been manipulating Mark? Or do you still see Conchu's action here as saving Mark Spector? I mean, whether he's manipulating or not, your options are death or do my bidding. So I mean, yeah, it, I it, it was up to, he, he. it wasn't like he said, I'll bring you back and you get to go and do whatever you want. He laid out the stipulations and Mark, Mark agreed. So if he's going to have an issue with it, I, you know, I don't think that's that's necessarily fair at all. I, I'm totally fine with Conchu's arrangement. Take it or yep. leave it, bud. I, I, I think with Conchu's... Uh, he is taking advantage of the fact that Mark was going to kill himself, and he reads into the fact that his mind is is fractured. He sees that as a benefit to him. He, he sees that as something that he could exploit and use to his advantage um, in a way. But... You know, again, it's weird that he was he he questions the idea of like, well, it was either dying or living. Was he just going to kill himself because he was already injured and he was going to die? Is that is that was that his mentality around why he was going to kill himself? Because, you know, if you go up to a guy and say, well, don't kill yourself, I can give you superpowers and you know, you can <laughs> kill other people. Right. And he's like, oh, OK, well, I guess, you know, that's that's it. Right. What was leading him to to want to kill himself? Because that was a big revelation. The fact that, you know. It wasn't that he was just shot and brought back to life. He was shot and willing to t to take his own life before Conchu came and, you know, played with his mind and then said, you know, okay, I'll I'll, I'll give in. I uh, I was gonna save this sort of to sort of the wrap up of my overall feelings, but this kind of feels like it fits in really well. Is just sort of I found this scene to be a little disjointed because Justin, as you said, he's willing to kill himself over what I thought was what he had done or what he couldn't save. That was like. He couldn't live with himself based on that, and he was quite well injured. So, hey, let's just wrap it all up. Um, and then getting this offer from Conchu, I was kind of like, all right, well, this guy's a vulture just preying on weak people. So I thought it was a very – I didn't think it was that great of a deal. I'm like, this guy is definitely like taking adva full advantage of a guy who is at his absolute lowest point. There's nobody in a lower point than a guy who's got a gun to his own head. Um, and he's fully taking advantage. 
And the thing that got me, though, is he did say, like, I want you to do my bidding. He didn't necessarily say kill more people, I don't think. Did he actually no, right, say yeah. kill more people? He said to protect he implied, the riders yeah, he of implied. the night. And and so realistically, making it sound like he's going to be a hero, I think. Um, because otherwise, if, if he did say, and I, I would like to rewatch it a second time now, because if he did say you can do more of my bidding and kill the people I want you to kill. It's kind of like, well, that was what had you down at your lowest point. Why would you accept this deal? That's telling you, you're going to have to do more of it. And so that's right. kind of where I was like, eh, I don't know. Well, I wonder for Mark, it it's, you know, we, we find out later on that, that his coping mechanism is to almost become a different person. Mm-hmm. And so maybe that's how he's interpreting this is that Conchu giving him a chance to have an outlet for those, those, times of his life that he wants to forget and it's a, just a another place to sort of bury those those feelings and those thoughts oh well Kanshu is looking at this as free real estate right so he's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah he's moving in yeah. did you um did yeah, you guys you're leaving the... I'll, I'll, I'll move in <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. did you notice when steven was walking towards the cliff the dead bird that was uh had the head shaped mm-hmm. like um Kanshu? yeah um and it just made me wonder if if Conchu always had an eye on Mark, uh, um, and you know, like he's been of, looking, he's been watching him since he was like a, a kid, yeah, and just and waiting. Like, yeah, cool. exactly. But it, I just thought it was interesting because it's it's sort of like the, it becomes the symbol of death. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like Conchu's image, because like again, you see this dead bird, and the event that would you know precede seeing that bird is the death of his brother. Mm-hmm. Um, here we have literally Mark on uh, at, at willing to take his own life right before death and, and Conchu is mm-hmm. is whisking in to save him. So it's just an interesting sort of uh, visual play. I just, I didn't know if anyone else noticed it. So yeah. And what was that, was that tomb even actually there? Like it's not a, it's not, it doesn't look like a, it should have been there in that desert. Like it, right. it looks like it was very much like just like some cool club. Uh, but yeah, yeah, like maybe he saw it and it was, it was not there before he, he was like, I'm at my lowest point and Conchu made it appear and was like, Come over, right. come over Because it kind of looked dude. like the sand was sort of, yeah, it was like brushed aside, right? Side, it came yeah. out of the ground. Yeah. Um, but okay, let's, let's, uh, it's interesting stuff. Let's keep going here. Mark and Steven go back onto the ship and they start seeing souls pew, dropping down into the duot uh, with Harrow. Uh, sorry, by Harrow, without being passed through properly. Mark and Steven say that they need to go back into real life and stop Harrow's wrath. And to where it obviously agrees with them and turns turns the boat. She says Osiris is not going to like this uh, and warns Mark and Steven that if they don't balance the scales, they're not going to get out of the duot anyways. Uh, so they better get to work on solving their issues. Steven plans to go through the door in Mark's memory uh, to see what happened with him, but Mark stops him by saying that he's going to explain it and that Stephen doesn't need to see it. When Stephen pushes through to let him go through that door, Mark suffers a breakdown and finds himself back at Harrow's office. Harrow calms Mark down and tells him to open up to Stephen, and Mark looks at his reflection in the glass of water uh, that Harrow handed him, and then he's instantly transported back into his childhood bedroom. So guys, just before we keep going here, really quickly I wanted to call out, um, what do we think is actually happening in the world above them like you know the mcu had to go through the like the everyday people like i'm just thinking about us doing a podcast and like two of us get dusted 
and then we're doing a podcast again. We've already replaced those people, and then two of them get de- not that any of you can be replaced, but then they get <laughs> they reappear back somehow sitting in their laps, right? And now if one of us believes, like I think it would be Kevin, honestly, would be the one. His soul would just get sucked because he's he knows the most about Egyptian history and just get sucked into the 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 duet. Um, do you think this is what's going on in the MCU above them? Is is this actually happening? Is this a terrible, horrible event that we're going to actually have a little bit more of a bigger outcome from in our MCU proper? I, I think you just kind of nailed it. I think there's an absolute terrible war happening. And I think he, who is it that Harrow's trying to release? Um, I forget all the names. Amit. I think that Amit is released. They're on the war path and they are judging people for things they may do in the future. And they're, they're yeah. calling them. I think it's like, I think it's like an absolute war with no opposition going on and Moon Knight needs to show up and shut it down. That's my, that's my guess. Nate, I just want to know what, what, why you picked me so easily there and <laughs> what is it that I'm going to do in the future that I deserve no, such a, no, I, such a I punishment? Because... That's interesting. I'm certainly I because... the most likely of the four of us. Yeah. Don't worry. I'm, to, I'm not to believe in. I just, I just wonder what it is that I, I have in my future that's going to be so because naughty. Kev- Kevin, because my, in my perspective, uh, from my perspective, um, I think that the the idea is that um, uh, it's it's only people who believe in the duat in in the the Egyptian afterlife that right. are actually getting that are sucked out of up the there. Yeah, yeah. out of the world. It's not the people, right? Because even Harrow, I think he created this sort of cult around these beliefs. He found like minded people to bring into his cult to then be judged by Amit. So I don't think I don't think it's just every single person in the world that's eligible to be eaten up by Amit. I think it's I think it's strictly just people who believe. I don't know. That's kind of what a good the save. I got. Uh, he w- he was <laughs> willing to judge. Well, I guess Mark knew, but he was ju- he was trying to judge Stephen, and Stephen, who very much is into and probably does believe to oh, a certain degree, yeah, yeah. Egyptian yeah. history, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's kind of how I I okay. read it, but it's just like it, part of me wonders if this is really if they are gonna really bring this into a because again they they focus so much on the snap in in post snap content of the MCU. I love it, don't get me wrong, but are they gonna add another? element Snap like event? oh yeah that was yeah that was the oh yeah you, you, her soul got sucked by Amit the other day or whatever right. you know what I mean like yeah. I don't know yeah I, I, I feel like I, I'm not sure how to interpret the fact that these souls were falling from the sky obviously great signifier with the purple magic showing these like yeah. sh- sh- shots just falling um, when they get back on the other side and what Harrow's doing I think it's it's still very selective, probably, but maybe he has unlocked the full potential of Amit, right? Like, we're not at a snap level event yeah. yet, but we're kind of like on the cusp of that. And he's getting a little out of hand where it's like, okay, you're doing something, bud. Let's, let's, let's stop you. So I think um, it's got to be like we'll, physical. We'll like, he's got to actually touch these people. And like, he, I, I yeah, don't think it's there has like, to still be, I don't think yeah. he's visually looking at a thousand people and just erasing them by thought. I think it's going to be like a physical thing, kind of like what Justin's saying there. I think it would be nuts if he was one of them. If he, if he was, if, if Amit comes through and is like, yeah, no, nah, dude, you too bad. Thank you for releasing me. You're, you're an awful person. Bye. And <laughs> just eats them up. I don't know. Um, but let's, let's keep going here. Mark and Steven see a young Mark cowering in the corner of his bedroom uh, while his mother bangs at the door. The young Mark starts muttering to himself that it's not his mother. It's not his mother. And uh, he, he does so 
um, long enough to create Stephen. And we actually see, I think, I think this moment is the birth of, of Stephen Grant, uh, complete with a, a fake British accent. Uh, Stephen finally understands that his name is based off of a fictional character and that he's a figment of Mark's imagination. As Mark's mother barges into the room to beat young Mark, Mark pulls Stephen out of the room. Stephen is absolutely horrified by what he just saw, and he also is horrified at the understanding that he isn't real. But Mark assures Stephen that he is the part of Mark that got to live through a non-abusive childhood and have a good relationship with his mother, a reality that Mark always yearned for, but it never happened. Unable to digest that, Stephen transports to Harrow's office. Obviously, and Kevin, you called this earlier, this is some this is heavy stuff, mm-hmm. uh, even for the MCU, um, but this is this is confirmation that Steven has existed since Mark was a kid. Uh, you have to wonder why Mark's dad never attempted to get his wife the help she needed, right? Um, I it's so crazy you asked that question. That's exactly what Kate says. What kind of father would let this happen to his kid? And it's funny because in past movies, history, kind of thing, this the roles are kind of reversed. Abusive father mother who doesn't do anything um yeah. it's it's kind of like a very common story i would say i hate to say but that's kind of like a very very typical abusive re- family i'd say um and so not to get huge into my past but i watched my mom go through something that where she didn't want to leave the relationship she was in um eventually did she's all good everything's great um but mm-hmm when she was leaving, I was like a 16 year old and she kept asking me like, I just don't know if I'm doing the right thing. And like, as a 16 year old, I was like, Oof. even then I'm like, yes, you are. You have to leave it. You need this. You, it's gotta be done. But I've always remembered that moment as one of those things where like, you don't, as an outsider, the perspective is totally different. And so this yeah. is kind of a deep talk for a Marvel comic book show, I guess. But it just was something oh, yeah. that it reminded me of. And like, I can't imagine how many other broken homes could watch this scene and feel the same. And I was just like, the father in that moment sees both the good and the bad in the mom and probably doesn't want to take that away. I just can't imagine. I just it was it's weird because because the roles are reversed. People are like, how is the dad letting this happen? And that right. it's kind of I, my, my I, perception of it. It's yeah, interesting because well. I, I I enjoy that that the roles were 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 kind of shifted that way, yeah. and it does really center on 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 the mother and the idea of that relationship and and you know you know thank you for sharing the the story yeah, uh, I'm, I'm good. because I think <laughs> no I know but I I think that it just goes back to really speak to the sort of real uh, impl- implications that yeah. Mar- Mark's backstory actually has like grounded in trauma, which I, again is, is the constant theme of phase mm-hmm. four. And I, I, I think there's a discussion there about how trauma in some way or another has impacted everything we've seen from WandaVision to now. Also just the idea of seeing two sides of trauma, uh, you know, suicide, uh, in the instance of how he be- then becomes Moon Knight, another mm. personality, and here the birth of Stephen Grant out of trying to cope with that trauma, mm-hmm. um, I think it it just helps to solidify that this is the human part essentially. Yeah. Those real life themes they're they're going through so many yeah. Marvel exactly stories right now. It's it's really well done, and I, you got to like it. Also, just really brings into context the reason that obviously Mark chose to leave right he mm-hmm. like I, I i i i got it as like he was 
he was seeing his dad without communicating with his dad. He was seeing his dad choose his mom over him in that moment. Right. And so that's kind of where, yeah, that would, that would absolutely hurt. And, and, uh, and he also obviously is taking on all that blame throughout all those years, all those birthday parties, um, and, and living with that, uh, and, and probably wholeheartedly believing a lot of it. Um, and I, I just getting, getting back to like some of the, again, production aspects of the show. Obviously, the writing is phenomenal. I also love when they do just put in these little things in the background. Uh, if you notice, Mark's room uh, has the scales um, of justice yeah. in the background yeah. Yeah. Ma- yeah. made out of wooden blocks, which is really cool. And then even more heartbreaking was the drawing of the one-finned goldfish framed on the wall. So oh, you just have to imagine wow. that he, he took that he took that drawing that he was like making fun of his brother for and saved it and oh didn't see that anyways well it's also yeah. it also just brings up the thing that he bought that fish that also had a yeah. wife and now was that just coincidence or did he manifest that fish from his mind i don't know right There's or question. did steven steven bought steven bought the original gus and then right. maybe maybe mark switched it out for a maybe it a never one had because one of fin. his brother maybe it was always two finned like he's had imaginary conversations with his mother and sometimes oh, he's, he's it that in way? and out yeah, of consciousness true. and all of a sudden it had two fins and he's back to argue with the lady and yeah, I, that's I true. Forgot about Interesting. The fish. I, uh, <laughs> I really, I really appreciate that, that whole storyline and finding out that's where Stephen Grant came. Cause my initial perception was going to be like, Oh, he's, he's being saved by Conchu and this is where all, this is where Steven and any other potential identities come from. And I was like, that's, I didn't want that to be the case, but that's kind of what felt like it was going to happen. And then they showed this, and I was such a such a better story. Than, than it's that. more, much more realistic. Yeah, too. exactly. Um, uh, so we, let's keep going here. When Harrow mentions that Stephen brought himself to the institution after his mother passed away, uh, Stephen gets agitated and tells Harrow that he's lying about his mother's death. So Harrow calls up somewhere. Um, tells Stephen that it's his mother and tells him to talk on the phone. And it's just really, it's honestly, this was, this is where I started to like, I got a little teary eyed. Stephen gets closer and closer and closer and eventually just can't bring himself to touch the phone. And he admits that his mother is actually dead. And that's when uh, Stephen sees Mark standing across the street, uh, which is the first memory that he saw in the in the corridor in the psych ward. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we see him, you know, Mark's drinking liquor, refusing to go to his mother's uh, shiva, while his father asks him to come in. Mark walks away and falls to his knees, lamenting that he can't let his mother win. That's when Stephen takes over, who is confused about where he is, and starts talking to what he thinks is his mother on the phone. Mark explains to Stephen that on that day, his mother died. That's when Mark and Stephen's lives started clashing. Yeah. Stephen, realizing that his existence and Mark tra- Mark's trauma stemmed from his mother's abuse, uh, which never, never let Mark forgive himself for accidentally killing his brother, consoles Mark. Stephen says that Mark was only a child and that he didn't know any better. And in doing so... We get to see the like literally the most like it's it's the most literal self healing that we've ever seen yeah, yeah. in the MCU. Mm-hmm. So That's guys, clearly moment. we see Steven clashing with Mark and him losing control uh, came from the reality of him unable to face his mother's death. I know for um, a lot of us, we still haven't seen this this third altar yet. Um, but seeing how these these situations are seeming to stem from these moments of trauma. Uh, do you think we will, and do you think it'll come from the same trauma, or do you think it'll come from a different moment entirely? 
Well, um, in this scene, there is a yellow taxi cab in the mm-hmm. background. Yeah. And so is this the moment where that third personality who we've all sort of been suspecting that it is, is born? Another instance of a coping mechanism, if you will. Yeah, that's a great yeah. call out. I did notice that taxi cab, but to think that that might be where where uh, that personality was born, that's really Yeah, cool. it's 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 kind of giving you another hint. But yeah, I, I think that, Nate, you called it out. The, 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 after the entire series being so much about them fighting one another... Here they're helping one another, like they're consoling yeah. one another. They're they're having a, an actual internal conversation, whereas they've always been at opposite ends. And and I, I just it felt so gratifying to get this moment, to have this moment. Great acting. Yeah, it was too. it was. It, oh, the acting his his going Austria between the two characters yeah. here was was maybe his best work in the series so far in that I mean, in that regard. And I just and I just think it's amazing that you know. Stephen has always been Mark's sort of failsafe whenever there's something that he he he's sort of having trouble dealing with, and this is a moment where maybe the Stephen personality didn't work to help him get through this really difficult time, and that's not only the reason why the third personality emerges at this point, but it's also why this is their moment of sort of coming together and understanding each other. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, the beginning of of this this section that you were talking about, um, I loved that scene of him going to answer the phone. And at the very end there, and maybe it's just my ears because they're terrible, but there was a dial tone as they zoomed in on the yep. phone. And yeah, no one was there. And no, like yeah, no one was there. And I, I feel like nobody was there the whole time, so he didn't actually call exactly. Um, yeah, is it just me or is a dial tone always and forever haunting? It sounds so much like the the tone of like in a hospital bed. Yep. Like the, it's just it's just always yeah. a haunting sound forever, yeah. and um, and I just over the course of I guess a little bit from the, the the very very end of last episode and over the course of this you see Stephen and Mark and especially in this last moment um, come together and they're now they're a team they're working together and emotionally and officially too. yeah not just like yeah. oh mm-hmm. to get them out of a sticky situation they're working together emotionally and they're like mind and care. heart yeah mind and heart they care about each other I just. Uh, that it's definitely a special moment for sure. You're making me change my my pers- my, my thoughts on this episode a little bit. With that. Yeah, with yeah. That, I, I, we, my score has been doing do. a little bit of this. Um, I wanted to just quickly before we we keep going, I wanted to just call out. I love the idea that this would also be the moment where his third altar would come through. Um, but. I wanted to also call out the moment where Mark tells Stephen that he went AWOL in a fugue state. And I had to look it up. I'm like, what's a fugue state? And a fugue state is psychologically like you're, it's it, yep. when he's an altar, essentially, right? I know. Yeah. And so I, here's the thing Stephen waking up in the middle of a military base would be something that Stephen would have remembered and would probably have brought up at some point. Um, I think else. something happened between Mark and Bushman that brought out that third altar. And I, I don't. I don't know if we're going to see it in this series, maybe unless it's like the very beginning of the last episode for like one scene or something, um, because they've kind of already really done the flashback thing with this episode was the flashback episode. But that's where I would peg um, Jake's creation. I think that's where I think that's where Jake Lockley comes from. And I think Stephen created, you know, to Stephen was created to live in bliss where maybe Jake was created in chaos war. Yeah. right yeah, to eliminate yeah. the danger surrounding Mark. So I, that's where I kind of was like, hold on a second, a fugue state. And I, I had to look it up, but I was like, yeah. 
There's no way that would have been Steven in that moment. That's that's another great like call out moment that again just plants the little seeds of of a third personality. And I, I'm totally with you. If it, 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 this kind of feeds into the other idea that you had, where where this this third alternate is is more uh, chaos and, and is able to kill and is just you know vicious, right? And if that personality was birthed in war, it's it makes me wonder. Which personality did Khonshu really want to cling to if he saw Ooh. all those personalities, right? So who, who did he really he want? Saw, oh, maybe he doesn't yeah, maybe want he Mark. Saw. Yeah, maybe he doesn't want Mark, right? <laughs> I, uh, yeah, that's, yeah, uh, that, right? that's a great call out. Um, I think what you just, what you said earlier there, Nate, about this being the flashback episode, I still have a feeling that we are going to see because all of the flashbacks in this episode are flashbacks to to things and moments that like we had no idea about. They might have been mentioned or or you know slightly hinted to or nodded to, but I think we're going to see the flashbacks um, in the very first episode to when he blanks out to when he wakes up. I think we're going to see the flashbacks of of all of this other all of these other moments or at least a few of them where that third personality shows up, whether it's the last 10 minutes of this next episode, but I have a feeling they are going to fill in those blanks next episode. Um, okay. That's my, that's well, my I'm, guess. I'm, I know this is probably I'm happy, like, I'm happy to be wrong. The episode, but but <laughs> yeah. when you said like there's, there's, yeah. there, we already did flashbacks, but that's, these are different flashbacks. These are filling in the blanks of stories. They told us yes. in this season. And I feel yes. like that's still going to happen, but yeah. I, okay. I, I'm, I'm with you there. I, I feel that. All right. I hope, well, listen, I'm hoping. Like I'm, I'm really <laughs> hoping. I I hope so too. I um. Let's get to kind of the the last section here. Um. Mark and Steven sense a disturbance, uh, in the force and get back to the ship where Tawaret reveals that the scales are still unbalanced and that the dead are going to get them. Uh. So Tawaret sort of like steps aside and Mark and Steven actually, uh, you know, take out the dead. I love the moment where. He's like he's he hits them with that bat. He's like I'm. A, he's like he loves cricket or something. Um, and then, six. <laughs> yes, I've yeah. never played cricket, but he yells six. I think. Yeah, I guess that's a <laughs> cricket thing. Um, <laughs> and then just when it seems like things are gonna be all right, Stephen gets dragged and falls into the duat, uh, and then gets frozen in sand, uh, and that balances the scales. And, but you know, Mark then finds himself in the field of reeds, but he's all alone. And by himself. And the episode ends right there. So, guys, before we get to your predictions for the finale, I wanted to ask a very important question that might play into your predictions. But overall, is Steven dead? No. Well, we were talking about this Well, before, technically, right? they're both dead. I'm curious if the moment that Steven is frozen is what triggers the scales to balance or if it's... Actually, they started to balance when they accepted and told their truths. Because I think I think it happened earlier. And Stephen, I think Stephen's come back. If they don't bring Steve, I'll be upset. Like I, I, it's it's you can't not have him come back. He has to come back, as far as I'm concerned. So yeah. it would definitely take away from from the Moon Knight character in in general. Even though I think a lot of fans weren't mm-hmm. initially 
thrilled with the Steven, especially like the, how he was the iteration of Mr. Knight that they kind of wanted the more suave Mr. Knight after first like initial reviews. But I think as a fandom, or at least for me, I've fully come around. I love Steven. I really don't want him to be gone. Um, I did want to call out just again, and I know we've said, we talked about this in, in the previous episode, but that little girl in the, in the, in the museum at the very beginning was literally talking about this scene. Like, did it suck for you not being able to pass through the fields of field of reeds? And it makes me feel like whoever, like, what if, like, I don't think she's coming back, but she could have been like an avatar in that moment for the God of time. Like, I don't know who the Egyptian God of time is, or if there is an Egyptian God of time, but it just seems like it's just so cool how they, they were able to sort of add all these things um, in from the very beginning. But yeah, I don't want Steven to be dead. I feel like this scene, this was written first, this episode. Mm. Or at least maybe oh. the last two episodes, and then they just wrote everything else went to kind backwards. of seed plant it and went backwards. We we, we had cool. the same theory around around Wandavision, too, mm-hmm. right? To think about like how epi- the penultimate episode of that did serve to answer a lot of questions, but then it was about planting those questions throughout the rest of the episodes leading up to that eighth episode, right? Um, so yeah, I think I, I I think that this was everything was done with intention. Uh, and I think they enjoy doing that. And this mm. this felt very reminiscent of a of a Wandavision esque penultimate. Yeah, I, I we'll we'll definitely get into all that maybe with our our overall thoughts. But uh, this brings us to our prediction segment for what what we think will be revealed in the future of this series. In this case, the finale. Um, so I want to know what the f- Pharaoh. <laughs> is going on Mike what do you think the finale Uh, is going to be uh, I mean I already alluded to some of the stuff that I think we're going to see I think we are going to see a third identity show up I think we're going to see sort of where that identity has been throughout all of the scenes and and episodes that we've seen so far because I think that reveal even if it's a montage of sorts um, I think that that's that's kind of where it's going to happen it's weird because this episode somehow gives me the vibes of the finale of Loki where um, I, I, I'll save some of those thoughts for, I guess, the overall thoughts of this episode. But but I just I, I feel like this felt almost more of a finale except for the cliffhanger at the end because it gave us a lot of answers um, when the bad guy it quote unquote is still alive so it's not wrapped up but it definitely had that sort of like here's all your answers type part um in turn i think we're gonna get moon knight back steven and mark are gonna be full like having the conversations with themselves as moon knight and kicking ass to um to stop uh amit 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 uh amit and haro uh, in what I'm assuming is a massive battle happening um, on the pyramids. Yeah, on the pyramids. <laughs> on, <laughs> on Earth, yeah. or wherever that yeah. may be. So that, yeah. that's that's what I okay. I think we're going to see uh, them get back to that. And, and maybe that third personality shows up. This is my guess, and a wicked scene that I could see is, if I was writing this, uh, Stephen mm-hmm. and Mark, down on their luck, down on their knees, they're like, we're done. We can't make it out of this alive. Yeah, third personality shows up and just rages. Um, that that's that's my that's my idea. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so he's it. the hero then. Okay, he, he does right. become the hero. That carnage is worth something to them somehow. Okay, Justin, what the pharaoh, well, dude? Yeah, I've I've been alluding to some of it as well. I I, I do think that Mark and Stephen will find their way back. Um, 
and I, I think that um, we'll see we'll see a final confrontation between Harrow and and Moon Knight. I do think that you're onto something there, Mike, with with the flashbacks. Uh, the scene that I was referencing is there's a scene in the trailer that they've used numerous times of um, Mark, what seemingly looks like Mark falling, uh, and uh-huh. it was in that Swiss Swiss mountain scene. Um, and I'm wondering if that's how he fell and landed on the ground and broke his jaw. Because remember in, in episode uh, one, when we find him, he's waking up. So I think you're right. I think we're going to see some flashbacks that are going to fill in the blanks of what might have happened in and around those moments when this third personality took over. That being said, I don't really know what else I could predict with it because the way they leave things, Stephen's gone, Mark's has, it could be has anything. made to the fields. It could really be anything, right? Like. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I, I, I'm it, I'm I'm interested, though. I'm very, very interested because unlike WandaVision, where at the end of that penultimate, it was like, OK, we know what's next. It's it's the battle right it, here. It's not as clear. And I think that that's that's kind of refreshing. What's happening on mm. Earth is unknown, right? I don't know why we're. Yeah, I'm pointing above my head and somehow because <laughs> you're, 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 you're in hell. You're in hell, bro. You're in the yeah. Egyptian hell. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Kevin, uh, how, how about yourself? What the Pharaoh do you think is going to happen in this finale? Uh, I think I think the two gentlemen before me uh, really did call out a lot of, of the things I'm expecting to sort of and, and want to see in the next episode. Uh, I think it'll be it'll be Layla who somehow gets yes, Conchu and, and frees frees Conchu somehow, and he's the one who sort of brings them back. Uh, and I think it would be a great scene mm. if you know if if you know he comes back to life after being shot there, left for dead, and she goes, "Stephen, you're back." And it's not Stephen. Oh, okay, Mark. And it's not Mark. And Ooh. that's the moment oh. we finally get introduced. I like. To I got Jake. chills. I got chills. And, and I then like we go into almost that flashback, and that's explaining how he's played a role in all of those in there, missing yeah. moments that we Boom, saw you just already. wrote that episode. We gave yeah, you all I the pieces. You just I wrote mean, it. Thank I, you. <laughs> you know, that was a three-man effort there, guys. We did it together. Uh, but I could almost see that, that that's how that episode... Now, I don't, under, I don't know how we get Steven back after where we left him, you know, frozen, frozen for all eternity... But but they'll figure something out. But no, that's kind of how I see it all coming back. And then and then it really is up in the air in terms of what the big battle is going to be. And do they take down Harrow or or is is there you know is it left for a, a possible season two? Um, you know, because I I don't feel like this story is anywhere near at least the the Moon Knight story um, is anywhere near being done being told. So it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I don't think we're going to get a, a a Moon Knight season two, but. I definitely what? think we're. I definitely think we're going to get a I Moon Knight will return in, and I think we're going to get a very specific notification to say this is where Moon Knight's coming back, and I don't think it's going to be that far away. I want to take a moment just before um, we keep going here, and for my prediction, absolutely, Mark uh, and and Stephen and Jake are absolutely going to work together in the finale. Because they told us so through a QR code in this episode. Uh, every single episode, if you haven't noticed already, features a QR code. If ah. you scan the QR code, this one, by the way, was right uh, when he just before he gets he opens the doors. He's he's saying Crowley, which is fitting because it takes you back to a, a comic book issue when you scan the QR code. Um, and so he says Crowley's going to call Bingo, my God. And then again, right before then, you scan the QR code, and this takes you to a premium issue. Uh, with the tagline, they become one to do what they must. So, I mean, if that's not 
if that's not proof enough foreshadow that, yeah <laughs> that yeah. we're going to be getting this in the finale um i definitely think that's that's going to be mm. it um but again with with harrow calling out earlier saying that he isn't the bad guy in this episode i kind of believe um i kind of believe him I kind of believe that he isn't actually, you know, he's especially this Ned Flanders ass looking version. I don't think he is. <laughs> he's not very bad. Uh, he's sure. not very. No, um, I'm going to I'm going to hold on to the idea that Jake, I think, won't be the hero. I think he will be the bad guy, the overall bad guy for this show. And I don't think it's going to have a happy ending. Um, and to throw a Hail Mary, I'm going to throw a Hail Mary uh, prediction out here. Um, spoilers for Spider-Man No Way Home. But we got Daredevil confirmed in the MCU the same week as the finale of Hawkeye with Kingpin. I think this, obviously they're, they're planning this stuff so well. We're going to have something to do with the multiverse in the finale or in the post credits or in the what have you in the very last moments, something is going to happen. And I think if I'm going to make my final prediction, it's going to be something between the Ennead and the Illuminati. Yeah, I can see that. I, uh, that's, that's my thought. I, I'm <laughs> with you theory. on that. I really agree that, that Moon Knight, I think this is a limited series, and I think that Moon Knight will be back in some sort of team up of sorts. Yeah, um, I, I think I don't I don't disagree with that. I think he's I think before we get a season two, we'll probably get the team up. But I don't think that the character is done in the exploration through the series. There's so many threads here. Whatever's left is is there's going to be a lot there. So I think that there's I think there's more to explore. It's just it might be some time before we get a Moon Knight season yeah, two. Yeah, like might a see phase him. five, like get another exactly. series. Like you seem. Yeah, we a might see him show then... up in other things. Yes. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, maybe a yeah. Scarlet. Uh, you were just you were saying like you I think a couple of weeks ago or last week like you would want a, a, a Scarlet Scarab series with Layla, right? <laughs> yep. So maybe that's where we mm. go and see Moon Knight next. Um, how crapped would your pants be if it was like Moon Knight will return in Multiverse of Madness? Like, <laughs> dude, <you're> like. I... <laughs> that's what I'm saying. You know, because what, what saying, is, we've okay, got is it next that what you were alluding to? Because. That's my next question. Well, that was what I wanted to ask, because you seemed like you had an idea of where we would see, you know, Moon Knight will appear next, and you didn't say where. So, I, I, I think it's like, Blade. I, I think it's Blade. <laughs> oh, Blade. Yeah. I, I, would say, I would say Blade would be where I would yeah. predict it, but Multiverse of Madness might be too close, but it is interesting that the same week that the season finale is happening, we are it's getting happening. Doctor Strange. Something's so happening. there could be something. I, I don't disagree with that, but I don't think it's going to be rooted in Moon Knight's connection. It might be rooted in something that has been established in this world, yeah. uh, if you will, right? What's so, the timeline uh, there? Uh, next week is not the same week that it comes out, right? We've got next week is the finale, and then the week after is Multiverse. Of Wednesday's no, the finale, Friday's the, uh, the Multiverse. <laughs> it's it's yeah. two days apart. So it's literally the next yeah. day that it drops yeah, yeah. in theaters. Yeah. Wow. I don't. I don't have tickets yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, listen. Let's get to our overall thoughts and final score for this penultimate episode. Um, I, you know, I think for this one, you're going to want to write this down if you haven't already. Uh, we're going to rate it on a scale of one to five intersectional planes of untethered consciousness. <laughs> All right, one to five intersections. <laughs> just rolling his eyes. I'm so writing far that back. down. Can you say it one more time <laughs> for me, please? One. Yeah, one to five intersectional planes of untethered consciousness. Mike, as our guest, how about you go first? Oh, man. So much pressure. Um, overall, I am loving it. Just Moon Knight in general. I'm loving that they, you know, like 
They're boring from the oldest and greatest stories of this world. And the MCU in general has been doing that as of late. And so I love that. I think that this is like such a great way to go to have different walks of life connect and force dummies like myself to go and look up information about things and uh, old myths and stories of gods and history and and things that I wouldn't have cared about at all in my 20s. So overall, that's doing an incredible job of that. Um, this my feelings on this episode are probably about as conflicted as the timeline of when things were happening in this storyline. Like I, I, I'm just, I loved it. We got so many answers that, as I said, they served them up. They served up so many answers in this. They just put them all on a platter and were like, boom, here you go. And they did it with one of my least favorite writing perspectives. Like, the character's crazy. He's popping in and out of doors and weird things are happening and we're getting all the exposition that we would possibly need to get everything on this character <laughs> that we were missing. So part of me was like, oh man, they're just, they're making it really easy on themselves. But I do have to give it to them that it's done in the best possible way that I've probably ever seen or ever will see. So I'm giving them that. Um, and, and for that reason, and, and just to call back, um, and I, because I won't be here on the finale, I know that Darcy's got a real hot seat to be on that. So I, I did want to call it one thing that I'm really excited about is that first line. I believe it's from the first episode um, when they say there's chaos in you. I think that is 100 percent referring to that other identity um, and that will definitely come back. So I just really wanted to kind of point that I'm sure you guys have all heard that. But I'm just like, man, that's that's it's such great writing, such great character development. And um, I I didn't get the big wow and like sort of smack to the face as I did last episode. And for that reason, and just because it was a little all over and a little bit hard to follow this outline and get having this discussion has obviously helped me with that. Uh, so I've given it another half percent in that. Um, I, I am going to have to give it four and a half out of five inner sectional planes of untethered consciousness. Um, so still a great episode. <laughs> I loved it. It was probably more of a four. Um, but I, I think that having this discussion and just what I'm hoping to see, I'm, uh, I kept putting it out there in the universe last time to get a really great episode. And I feel like I got it this time. So I'm putting it out there for potential four and a, four and a half. There you go. Okay. Justin. Um, yeah, I think this episode was very much what I had anticipated for the penultimate of this series. Uh, it was meant to fill in the gaps featuring some some revelations, some that were seed planted throughout the series thus far. Uh, others were, were fairly big. Uh, and this was all on the shoulders of, of Oscar Isaac's performance, carrying the emotional weight uh, throughout throughout the entire episode. Uh, the use of the psych ward, which which was, you know, a key place, as we were mentioning in the Jeff Lemire and, and Greg Small 2016 run is leveraged here as a place of sort of a self journey uh, while also taking place within the confines of his mind. Um, you know, there's, there's so many different concepts that are being played here, reality dreams and, and just the power of the mind and, and the hospital setting provides a, a sort of bizarre backdrop and throughout this whole process uh, as sort of serving as a m metaphorical prison of, of his mind. Um, both of these characters are, are set on a path uh, of of self discovery to help balance the weight of their hearts, uh, which is achieved through through relying on on their own memories and and learning from their memories. Uh, you know, we seemingly get Stephen's origin story, as you pointed out, while we also get Mark's 
origin story of how he became Moon Knight. Uh, I think that these two juxtaposed next to each other, uh, rooted in real human emotions, helps elevate this character to be, again, human beyond just having this sort of spiritual connection. Uh, this is like even more amplified in, in the moment that we discussed in, in the streets where Stephen is con consoling Mark uh, and trying to help reconcile the, 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 the loss of his brother and, and the carrying the weight and the loss of his mother subsequently and, and the relationship that they had. You know, this episode is, is a huge sidestep from the main story, but it is much needed, uh, very similar to the penultimate episode of WandaVision. Um, and, and honestly, it was purposeful because it just gives so much more background to obviously Mark and Steven, but also just grounds their, their personalities in trauma. And after talking with you guys, I had this at, at a 4.5, but I, I'm going to be giving it a five out of five intersectional planes <laughs> of untethered consciousness. I know Nate likes to do acronyms anytime. Like he'll be like, yo, so you're going to go see mom. I'm like, mom, uh, multiverse of madness. <laughs> it listen, it's a thing that, uh, I've, I've done for most of my life is just acronymize, uh, things. Is that a word? Acronymize? Yeah. Uh, Kevin, um, how, how, how about you go? Hoy, hoy oh, God. <laughs> no, God, no. <laughs> I am just going to go. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I think this episode was really important. Uh, while it steps away from a lot of uh, sort more of the action that we've been accustomed to in, mm -hmm. in a series like this, uh, there's almost none uh, to speak of, really. Uh, it really is more of an immerse, uh, emotional rather journey with the character. And yeah. as cool as, as the show has been, uh, as fun as the storytelling aspects and the, and the sort of what's going on aspects of the story have been, uh, and as fun and, and likable as Mark and Steven have been, this episode finally gives you something to sort of attach yourself emotionally with the character. Yes. And I think that was really, yeah. really important uh, to do. And and while I think there are still gaps that that I love, I'm shouting back again to Mike's call out for next week where we're going to get those flashbacks uh, of the holes that we were missing from what we we've physically seen as an audience in those first few episodes specifically. Uh, this finally getting that origin story without just doing a direct flashback. It was such a mm -hmm. fun and unique way of telling that story. And, and while again it was very exposition heavy. It didn't feel like it was as heavy an exposition because of the way they were telling that story. And I think that's what makes the writing so successful Agreed. for this episode. And so, yeah. and I think they've gotten so many of the really important questions out of the way that next week it is just sort of wide open to really focus on more of that action and wrapping up this story while filling in some littler gaps for the third persona, which I think we all uh, are expecting to see next week. Come on, so, third persona. Let's see it. <laughs> I really thought we'd see it this time. I did. <laughs> so did I. I mean, I really but did. As, soon as, you, as soon as you didn't see the sarcophagus, the third sarcophagus yeah. or the second sarcophagus Again, in, the, yeah. in the previously on, I was like, yeah. I don't know if we're getting it here. Yep, um, that's a good call. But so I think there's no way they can't do it here. So we're definitely... And we'll... And, We'll know right away from the previously on, and we'll see some of those scenes that oh, they're going to yeah. use oh, the flashbacks yeah. to fill in. So, so the I'm gun. very excited Holding for the gun, that. Like... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so while this episode didn't pack that, like, oh my god, I need to see that next episode right now, sort of moment that episode four did. It did so much as a pen penultimate episode to get me excited for the finale. It was just as good as as the previous week, and I think okay, it almost as good as the previous week. I can't go out and give it another perfect five, but I'm damn close. I'm going to toss this one a uh, 
eight out of five intersectional planes of untethered consciousness. That's a solid five. That's a solid five. It's a 4.8. It's a solid 96%. It was really damn good. (laughs) Kevin, we're going to have to go over one day what a 4.8, 4.9, 5. It's math. It's math. math. Just do the math. Just do the math. It's a 96%. It's so close to 100. That's why I would would also do like three decibels where I'd be like (laughs) (laughs) 3.759. We're not going that far. I mean, that's a 71.8, just in case you wanted to know. <laughs> oh, my God. It was just there. <laughs> you guys you guys already said uh, pretty much everything I uh, was right, going to we'll say. Wrap this I mean, up then. No, I'm just Yeah, joking. like, uh, that's it. Okay, cool, great. Let's, let's, uh, for the episode. Uh, this did follow the formula of the last episode of WandaVision. There absolutely is a theme of, of dealing with one's trauma in these MCU shows, and I'm so down for it. I think, mm-hmm. again, the whole point of these comics and Stan Lee has talked about this in interviews, you know, it's, 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 it's to relatability, create that relatability. We're, we're looking at humans at the end of the day, even though we're talking Mm -hmm. about gods, we're talking about all these things, we're looking at these human emotions and, and it's such a great way to explore them. And originally in comic books, that was a way to be able to help younger audiences do that. And now as we've kind of, grown up and grown into this content that is more for all ages and and a little bit more for adults especially i think recently um i think it's just it's just perfect that this is the direction the mcu is going um oscar isaac is absolutely phenomenal i hope we do see uh an emmy nomination yeah for his his work in this show i would love to see him take something like that uh and for the mcu in general um i i i like that they they covered the, the episode covered a lot of ground. They managed to fully go over Mark's origin story while taking some creative liberties from the comics for the better. Uh, and this is such a creative, as Kevin, you were pointing it out, like it's such a creative use of exposition that it, it you don't you don't end up caring about the fact that it is exposition. Like you, it it's just so lovely and 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 just again you you get to see the the deepest darkest moments um, that are explained by by having them show you instead of tell you yeah, man um and that was really nice and i i did i will say though the only thing that kind of brought me down a little bit was i, oh. I just feel like there's so there's so much that i feel like they still need to go through that they won't be able to do within <laughs> the next hour it's not lost and i i also i'm not ready to by the end of this episode i wasn't like okay cool uh by the end of like one give me one more hour of this and i'm done like i i'll be happy with where these characters end up i don't I don't know if they'll be able to pull it off. I, I want more. Is that? Can we just put that on a t-shirt? See, that I, I feel wear? opposite. I, I want more. <laughs> yeah. I feel opposite. I do feel like we've got a full story out of yeah. this. It's, an, yeah. it's a complete story, and, and I will leave this feeling it's an origin story. Quite, quite happy with just mm-hmm. a, like a pretty regular battle at the end. Like, like. I don't. Th- I don't think that there is too much more to wrap up. It's not like Lost, where it's like you, it wraps up and you're like, "Whoa, wait a second, I have a lot of questions." Like mm-hmm. there, there, there is other things they could explore, but if they don't, I'm not going to be upset about it. Okay. Mm. All right. Personal. All right. Well, I think I do think that they're they're they, I just feel like there could have been a little bit more, in my opinion, balance between like the the origin story that we got and just a little bit of pushing the needle forward to prepare us for the finale um that we we didn't get so i'm i'm mm. going to i'm going to dip 
a little lower than last week, probably my lowest score ever, and give it a 4.5 <laughs> out of 5. Intersectional planes of untethered consciousness. I can't. It's Marvel, guys. Okay. If, if any of the people write in or are listening to this that say we give Marvel and Star Wars too high of scores, suck it. I don't care. It's I love this stuff. It's too good. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, <laughs> as an Egyptian share might say, can't you believe we are almost done with this series? Uh, <laughs> So before we end off here, Mike, do you want to do the uh, do the thing, do the plug, um, talk about your podcast, uh, tell people where they can listen to more of you? Well, the- I do have a podcast called Dumpster Talk. Um, we're bringing it back. It's like a monthly thing. It's not like um, a weekly, super weekly. We'd love to do it. Maybe if I can get more co-hosts to join me in someday, maybe. Um, but right now it's me and my buddy. It's uh, dumpstertalk.com. You can find us on all the podcast uh, streamers and um, I'm, I'm hoping to reach out and find other people like this where I can join them and they can join me. And, um, that's kind of the biggest thing that I'm involved in. Yeah. And I appreciate yeah. you guys well, having me. This has been, a, this has been a blast. It's getting to join the people that I listen to and, and I don't have to sit in my car and go, Ooh, I got to text Nate. I better pull over. <laughs> <laughs> pull it over on the highway. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, call, right call Yo, that was I'm a like, spoiler, bro. Yeah. What are you doing? I need to talk to you about this. You're like, I'm at work, man. I'm like, I'm listening to episode whatever. Yeah. Uh, but Mike, we were, we were so thankful for you to come on and, and, and stoked to have you on with, uh, with the knowledge that you do have. Again, you said you're, you're kind of, in between with the comics a little bit, but uh, just a, a wonderful That's guy perfect. to talk to. And honestly, if, if any of our listeners are listening, uh, definitely check out the the Dumpstar podcast. We'll have the um, we're gonna have the the link mm-hmm. in our description uh, for this episode because honestly, like these guys freaking rock. And like I said last week, it's it's like sitting down with some buddies over a beer. Like it's just a good time just to sit back honestly i kind of am stoked for summer because i kind of want to just put some airpods on start a fire in my backyard and just <laughs> sit back and listen to you guys and feel like i'm even closer to you um so it's a really really good time we put up an episode there's one backup now so we're back officially i just hope nate that our listeners are listening uh if our listeners are listening (laughs) (laughs) if they're not you're in trouble if our listeners are watching um no i'm just joking (laughs) (laughs) maybe one day maybe one day one day one day yeah thanks so Um, much guys i appreciate it it's been it's been a blast thank you we'll have you back again for sure yeah man you'll be back You'll be back. Uh, All right, that's it for this week's episode of Watch Club. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts. And if you haven't already, uh, well, make sure to, you know, you can write into the show uh, with your thoughts or predictions on the shows we cover in Watch Club. Um, I'm going to hand the control... Justin, I think we've gotten really good at this by this point. So I'm just going to yeah. hand it right to you. Uh, my personal deity, Justin the Egyptian Jackal, he's going to let you know how we, how we can reach, you can reach, and all of us. Okay. Uh, they can reach us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. Or on Twitter at geekcentricyt or on Instagram at wearegeekcentric. Did you fuck that up? Sounds like you no, fucked that up. No, I think okay. I was just going in and out bet- in and out of consciousness, I think was what was happening. Oh, I was, yeah, I yeah. See. Did you see? I was like, it made this sound effect. I slowed down, flipped uh, it, and reversed it. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Keep in mind, we also have a ton of other episodes covering the latest and greatest shows and movies out now, including our recent spoiler-free reviews for Everything Everywhere All at Once and The Northmen, along with our spoiler-free review of Ozark Season 4 Part 2. And coming soon, we'll have our spoiler-filled review for the finale 
of Ozark yes. uh, season four, part two, along with a ton of multiversal coverage all over Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Plus, uh, we have our weekly This Week in Geek episodes where we break down the latest trailers and news every single Wednesday. With this past week, uh, ep- you know, this past week's episode where Justin and I, we, we went off on our thoughts on Netflix's decision to slash animation projects. Uh, like, we really went, Justin, we went off, dude. Yeah, we, we went off. Was, <laughs> uh, I, I knew it was coming. It was <laughs> epic. That's why Kevin wasn't there. Okay. <laughs> Flipping tables, just trash yeah, in the yeah. place. It would have been dangerous. Uh, we would have seen his Jake Lockley. Uh, and then uh, we also discussed uh, the latest tra- trailer for Pixar's Lightyear, uh, which, uh, yeah, man, tra- dude, are you stoked for? Are you excited? I mean, I know that we've we've gone <laughs> quite over time because I just want you guys to know that I got a lot of buzz, quote unquote, homework from Nate because I got a BuzzFeed quiz and I had to watch the trailer for Buzz Lightyear because he was saying we might yes. talk about it, which uh, you you feel free to cut this. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I was rather impressed. I, I, I've enjoyed Toy Story. Never been my favorites. I didn't know how I was going to feel about Chris Evans as Buzz Lightyear. And after watching the trailer, I'm like, this works. It, it's totally cool. I didn't think that the story was going to go as crazy as what it was um, watching that trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was like, okay, I'm in. I'm super, and that's Taika Watini, I think, voicing a yeah, character. I, I'm go. always in with anything he has ever even come close to touching, even breathed on. I, I'm in. So <laughs> um, I feel like he's done just about everything that I'm watching or paying attention to these days, though. So that's that word. It's a there win for me. But that looks like it's going to be a really great story. So I, I'm, I'm all in to check that out for sure. There, there we go. go. All right. Well, Mike, Justin, Kevin. Thank you so much for joining me for this Watch Club. And as we say, Later, Later, Skaters! Skaters.